Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. This is the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martineau. Now, this week's guest is a repeat guest on the podcast, someone who will be well known to the listeners of this podcast. David Vermette is the author of the amazing, super influential book, A Distinct Alien Race, The Untold Story of Franco-Americans, Industrialization, Immigration, Religious Strife. He is also behind the outstanding blog, French North America. Though this week, we are going to speak about a discussion that resulted uh, from a comment that David actually left on a post from one of the French Canadian Legacy's Facebook page posts. So this is going to be fun. David, welcome back to the French Canadian Legacy podcast, what I think is actually a pretty important discussion. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, Jesse. It's really great to be back and to, uh, to talk with you guys once again. All right, then essentially the discussion came down to, correct me if I'm uh, mischaracterizing this, but who is kind of leading the charge of telling the Franco-American story of who exactly. it is that, that who it is that is at the forefront of the people who are telling the Franco story and whether or not that needs to be us should always be us. If there's a problem, if it's not when, and by us, I'm you know putting myself in the, the group of, you know, descendants of those who came down from Quebec Yes, and whether or not it, maybe that's an issue if it isn't one of us. Am I getting this right so far? Absolutely. That's that's absolutely a perfect way to express it. You know, I'm talking about Franco-Americans should lead the charge in representing Franco-American stories. That's my viewpoint. Uh, and so if there are, effort, you know, events that are by, for, or above Franco-Americans, I think Franco-Americans should be leading. I think they should be clearly represented. So, you know, just to clarify my post, sure. uh, you know, a, you know, am I saying that only Franco-American people can tell Franco-American stories? Of course not. You know, anyone who has an informed viewpoint can tell any story they want. As far as I'm concerned, people could disagree with me about that if, if they like. But, you know, I feel any informed voice, you know, can and should be out there. But often uh, people outside of a community have a perspective that they can bring. Right. But sure. so for me, it's a matter of balance and it's a matter of leadership and it's a matter of representation. And so. You know, it's been interesting. You know, I've raised this at, at live events online, you know, in several different forums. And, you know, the, the response is pretty heated. You know, it kind of surprises me a bit. I've been uh, deplatformed from speaking at a university for, selling, for, for saying things like this. You know, I've been yelled at in parking lots. I've been called hateful and pathetic and all sorts of stuff, you know. And I'm not a martyr. You know, it's not about me and how much, you know, I've suffered. That's not the point. But I find that heated response really interesting. Because to me, it's really simple. Every other ethnic, racial, or linguistic or religious minority group has figured out that representation matters. It really makes a material difference in terms of how the stories are told. Uh, it's, it's instrumental in attracting younger people and new people to this community. You know, and in, I know in the disability community, there's a phrase, nothing about us without us. Right. And, and that makes sense to me. There, there should be nothing about us without us. Uh, and I think if it were any other identifiable group in this country, you know, my call for proper representation would be entirely uncontroversial. 
So with Franco-Americans, it seems to be controversial to say that. And, you know, I think it would be really an important question to understand why, you know, I'd like to understand why that is. And you've alluded to not just now, but almost historically going back, this has kind of been the case. You touch on that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know what, my, my comments about this have a pretty broad context. So if, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I ask for your patience because I have several points to make about this. Uh, uh, you know, first of all, it's that, you know, in my mind, for my historical studies, Franco-Americans are an, are an historically disadvantaged group in New England, in their New England context. That that's really not the case anymore. You know, we have a lot of uh, people who, you know, have gone on to be a great success, you know, in the world, like Jesse Martineau is what, what are those people? <laughs> you know, we've, got, we've, got, we've got authors and we've got, you know, lawyers and professionals and, you know, all kinds of people like that. So it's not so much the case anymore, but historically the Franco-Americans had the low wage jobs that no one else wanted to do, you know, despite the fact that there was a tiny elite, you know, that the vast, vast majority had repetitive lower wage jobs. Uh, they historically had a lower level of education. Uh, and there was a great deal of contempt that was thrown at them by, you know, the mainstream society in the U.S. in the late 19th, early 20th centuries, you know, and that, that contempt came from government sources. It came from the press. It came from avowedly racist groups like the Klan and eugenic supporters, you know, and also I would point out that these these uh, Franco-Americans, they're coming from a 19th century Canada where for a long time they were second class citizens. You know, the British Empire had a deliberate policy of j- just trying to get rid of them, you know, to minoritize them, to segregate them and hope that they'd eventually go away. You know, they were kind of a remnant of a former colonial enterprise. And so somehow that was embarrassing and that they were just expected to fade away. So until as late as 1960, you know, the most important cultural contribution that French Canadians and Franco-Americans made is that they were cheap labor for the British Empire and then for the U.S. So it's my understanding from my investigation of the history that it's accurate to call Franco-Americans in the New England context and historically disadvantaged groups. So were they the most beaten up group in the history of the U.S.? No, they were not. Uh, But do I think it's still accurate to call Franco-Americans in the New England context an historically disadvantaged group? Yes, I do. So that's kind of the context I'm coming from. And the the other part of it is that there's been extremely poor representation of Franco-Americans in in history. You know, their their events generally weren't covered in the newspapers, you know, of the day. Uh, They're very poorly represented in history books, you know, even where they should appear, I'll give just one example. There's an excellent book called The Empire of Cotton by Sven Becker about the global phenomenon of cotton. I highly recommend it. It's a superb book. And yet there's not one single word about Franco-Americans in that book. Not a word. Even when the author's talking about Fall River, where they're the majority, where you know they, they're, sure. they're by far the biggest cohort in the cotton textile industry, they're not, they don't appear at all. So our, our story has been diluted. Uh, we're completely unknown outside of New England. We're barely known within it. So despite the enormous contributions our ancestors made, uh, you know, generally there's very poor representation in history. And so due to the poor representation, we're in a position of scarcity, meaning there's very few blogs, very few events, very few opportunities for this story to be told. And generally we're talking to each other, you know, when we 
when yep. we talk sure. about these things. Uh, and I think the last uh, piece of the context for my for my viewpoint is that I've been going to Franco-American events, and I've been on the Franco-American scene for more than 20 years now. Uh, my comments are not just based on you know an anecdote or two. This they're based on you know a lifetime of being Franco-American, but perhaps uh, more saliently. Uh, they're based on everything I've seen and read over more than two decades. And over the last two or three, you know, three or four years, I should say, I've had the opportunity and privilege to travel and, and to speak in many, many of these communities. And I, I think I'm one of the only people in recent times who's done this, kind of made this tour. Uh, and when I do that, you know, I not only talk about our story and, and get the reaction of the people to it, but they tell me their stories. You know, sure. So I've heard a lot, lot, lot of Franco-American stories. And, you know, in my travels, Jesse, over the past 20 <laughs> years, you know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of cluelessness. I've just seen a lot of cluelessness from non-Franco-American people. You know, I've seen, for example, uh, people who are not Franco-American come into events that are, that are explicitly about Franco-Americans and just push themselves and their own agenda to the front and just dominate the discussion, and then get very upset and, and, and yell at me when I say, hey, what, what, what about Franco-American representation? You know, or, or, or I say, you know, maybe a Franco-American should have that leadership job. Uh, and, you know, people take this very personally. And, you know, I, it's not intended in a personal way, but they take it that way. I've seen non-Franco-American people, you know, show up at these events and then, you know, have a total public meltdown because they felt they weren't respected by the Franco-American people there enough. Uh, basically, they don't understand the Franco-American culture that they're interacting with. So they totally center themselves and their own privilege, and they effectively hijack that event. And the, the Franco-American people being kind of salt-of-the-earth type people, they then go and they take care of that individual rather than taking care of the, the Franco-American people who have just been dissed. And had their cultural ways kind of misunderstood. And, and that rare and precious event then is hijacked. All you end up remembering about the event is the meltdown, not the excellent work that uh, Franco-American people are doing. And I, I just think it's wrong to come into a group like that and center yourself. You know, it's not just rude. It's an assertion of a type of privilege over an historically disadvantaged group. So again, if there were 10 conferences a year, one of them's hijacked like that, okay, you just chalk it up to, to the luck of the draw. But there's one annual event like that, um, that like the event I'm describing. You know, and if it's hijacked, sure. you have to wait next year. So, you know, I, I I've seen this, you know, more than once, you know, several times I've seen this kind of thing happen. And, you know, it gets it does get onto my skin. I say, hey, wait a minute, this is a this is an event that's about Franco Americans. And you know, the event is, uh, you know, hijacked by somebody really centering themselves and their own agenda. And, you know, I, I find I'm one of the few people who push back on that and say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, you know, th this is about representing Franco-Americans. So anyway, this is the very broad context that, you know, I bring to these questions. Yeah, no, I think that that last point for me is particularly interesting because it is it does remind me of something because obviously you were involved in the same book project that I was involved with the French all around us. And we're having all kinds of these local, we're trying to have all these local events trying to push this book. And it is kind of crazy how even trying to get an event going in my hometown of Manchester, 
where we tell the Franco-American story, the, the come down from Quebec story. That's the Manchester story and how right. very few, how tough it is to tell that story when people want to hear more. And I'm not saying it's bad to hear, but they want to hear more about the Africans who have just moved in story. Like that's yeah. that that's that's the event that people want to have. And that's become, I mean, major league frustrating for me as I'm trying to get some of these off the ground for sure. Yeah, you know, that's true. And, you know, all of those stories are important. I think it's super 100%. fascinating. Absolutely. You've got you've got Native American people in Louisiana who are trying to, you know, defend French. And, you know, Absolutely. I think all of that stuff's fascinating. But, you know, this is what I what I call the dilution of the Franco-American story. It's diluted in, you know, the story of other, you know, immigrant groups. And, you know, all of those stories should be represented. But that 100%. includes our story, you know. Correct. That includes yeah. our story. We should be represented there, and so often it's just covered over. Uh, you know, it's conflated. You know, I, I disagree with conflating the Franco-American New England group with French heritage broadly. You know, the, the Franco-American story is unique. All of those stories are unique, uh, and yeah, I, I do feel that the Franco-American story is a, a little bit lost in the shuffle. Going back to the whole. Who tells the story? Who leads? Uh, obviously, this, is a, this I think this is an important, super important conversation because it's led to quite a bit of conversation since uh, this whole started going down on Facebook. And the thing that uh, has been told to me several times is if some of these outsiders weren't telling the story, nobody kind of would be. It's not like they're replacing somebody or taking the lead for somebody. Um, it's if this blog didn't exist, then it would just be one less group out there telling our story or this person did step into a leadership. I mean, we've had, we've had leaders of the Franco-American center in Manchester, for instance, who have no Franco-American heritage whatsoever. And yeah. the story is always like, well, these are the people who volunteered to step up. That's why they get the job. Um, right. And so I'm just curious as to kind of what your take is like on the, these people who have stepped up, who are taking these leadership roles are kind of doing us and our story a solid and we would be lesser without them. Yeah. And, and again, I definitely think there's a place for outsiders, you know, so-called outsiders, uh, you know, they, they bring a perspective. There's no question about it. There definitely is a place for that, but we have to ask that as a question, Jesse, I think. So why mm -hmm. is it that people aren't stepping up? Like, is there right. just apathy you know, what does this say about our community? And what, what it says about our community, in my mind, is, is just it goes right back to the poor representation, uh, the poor understanding of the Franco-American story, and the fact that this is an historically disadvantaged group. It's a, it's a group that, in, in, my, in my observation, is frequently passive. You know, they allow other people to take a leadership role. You know, I've seen this in Franco-American events where you know, somebody does what I just described of just coming in and dominating the discussion and pushing their agenda forward. And Frank American people just let them do it. They just sit on their hands. They let that happen. You know, uh, so th this is, you know, something we have to ask as a question, you know. And so, you know, yeah, you know, I talked to, you know, for example, a, a fellow who has, you know, the blog uh, uh, that's attached to a daily newspaper in Maine that's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, about Franco-Americans. And, you know, I said, you know, how'd you get that job? He said, well, I asked. No, just that sure. simple. He said, you know, right. I had an interest in this. I knew something about it. Uh, and so I asked. And, you know, so, so, you know, fine. You know, I didn't have a problem. The guy asked. He got the job. Fine. But, you know, it, it just, fi I find it very interesting that there were only two such blogs 
that I know of, you know, in the entire state of Maine that are attached to a well-known daily newspaper, and neither of them are written by a French Canadian descendant. You know, that to me is just, just, just amazing. And the truth is that, again, if we're any other group, you know, I don't want to make invidious comparisons, so I won't mention any, but if we were just about yeah, no, any sure. other group in the United States, you know, there'd be a letter writing campaign. I'm serious. There'd be that people would write letters to the editor and they say, hey, wait a minute, why aren't we represented here? Uh, and, you know, Frank or Americans say, oh, well, that person asked and that's why they got that job or they weren't, there wasn't a Frank or American person to step up. So what does that say about the state of our community that that is the case? You know, to me, that's, uh, you know, it just, it just suggests another question. It's not an answer to, to, to my issue at all. It raises a deeper question, which is why is that the case? Yeah, I guess, I guess that's the, I'm not disagreeing with anything. I guess my question, my question to your question, to all these questions is kind of, what do we do about it from here then? If it's a situation yeah. where there's I only mean, two, I, I think, it's because of these are the two that raised their hand. How do we get more Franco-American? And we all agree that it'd be cool if yeah. more Franco-Americans were raising the hand to do it. How the hell do we get more Franco-Americans to raise their hand? Yeah. Well, I think we, we, you know, it's so what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? And so- you know, is it the case that there's poor representation and therefore Franco-Americans don't raise their hand and then they don't raise their hand and therefore there's poor representation, right? Sure. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a chicken, it's a chicken or the egg. I mean, I think the answer is, you know, we, you know, uh, Jesse and Mike and myself and, you know, other people who are out here, who are French Canadian descendants here, who, com- who do come from those mill workers, that we continue to make a noise. And I think, you know, we do need to call out sure. this issue of representation, you know, and, and we need to uh, step up and take a leadership role. So if, you know, uh, if there's a, a dearth of leadership for a Franco-American event, you know, uh, we should make sure that we point out, oh, so-and-so could lead that, you know, or I could lead that event. If you need, you know, a, a Franco-American to lead that event, well, I'll take that on myself. I will lead that. Or here's a good person who could lead that event. Sometimes I think there's just not a lot of effort taken to find the right person. And then people say, oh, Franco-Americans don't want to do it. Well, not necessarily. What what effort did you make to reach out? And what about the non-Franco-American person who takes that on? You know, maybe they could pass it off and say, for once, I'm not the right person to lead this. How about so-and-so? How about this short list of four or five people who might be willing to, you know, lead this event? I don't see a lot of uh, non-Franco-American people deflecting, you know, these leadership roles in favor of Franco-American people. So, you know, I, I'm not sure. The, the observation in and of itself, oh, there's not enough Franco-American people to lead or volunteer for these things. You know, I, I'm not so sure about that. You know, if I take that at face value, I think it, it, it uh uh, you know, raises another question about the nature of representation and what we should be doing as French Canadian descendants to make this community better known and to take leadership roles ourselves. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting discussion, and it's certainly not anything that's going away anytime soon. As we continue, like again, I just used my example. I've I've been sitting on the board of trustees at the Franco American Center, where they've gone around the table and be like, do you, anybody know somebody who would be willing to, to be the president of this organization? And not only did nobody raise their hand, nobody had an idea for a name that they could possibly volunteer. And at the end of the day, it ended up 
the non-Franco entirely. Somebody just thought yeah. the Franco culture is kind of fun. And now that person was leading the organization. So, but yeah, that shouldn't always be the case. It doesn't have to always be the case. No, it's a, it's a really important point, Jesse. And it, it just, it just says something about the state of our community historically. Again, you know, when, when people have been marginalized, yes, I will use that word. You know, we, we're a marginalized community in the history. Sure. It, it, as I say, it just basically doesn't exist in the history of New England, largely. Uh, so, you know, a community that's been marginalized like that, you know, that takes a toll. You know, it takes a toll on a community. It, it, there's a there's a passivity. Uh, well, like I said, super. Inc- Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there. You know, there's a passivity uh, that goes along with that historical marginalization and lack of representation. That's really, I think, a really important point. Like the. The, the marginalization and the lack of historical representation has consequences. One of the consequences of that, in my view, is that sort of passivity. Yeah, absolutely. Super important conversation. One of the things, Mike, I mean, it's the kind of thing Mike and I have been talking about since we started you know, this podcast a couple of years ago, for sure. Something, the conversation yep. is not going away anytime soon. I actually think it's encouraging that so many people were kind of fired up by the discussion because that means they're engaged by the entire thing. So I thought that was cool. So very, very yeah. important, David. I, thought, I very much appreciate you coming on to have this discussion. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Could I add one thing? Oh, absolutely. Please. You know, I, I would like to mention a couple of people I feel do it right. You know, non-Franco-American people who I feel represent the Franco-American story and do it the right way. You know, so rather than, you know, beating up on people, I think maybe are doing it the right way. I, I think I would like to mention <laughs> sure. a couple of people that I think are doing it the right way. And one of them is one of those bloggers in Maine, and that's J- James Mile. I think that, uh, you know, he, he actually comes from England. Uh, and he appreciates the irony, you know, that, you know, he's an English guy telling this Franco-American story. Certainly people in Quebec would see the irony of that. Uh, but I feel he does it the right way. He, he does not represent, you know, the Franco-American story as his own. He's very sensitive, I believe, to the issue of representation. Um, and, you know, he's been engaged in this conversation. He, he actually piped up on that Facebook feed. Uh, and, you know, talked about this issue, I thought, in a very sensitive way. I think also Ben Levine and Julia Schultz, you know, who are behind the film, Harvey Waking Up French. I think, again, what they're doing is capturing Franco-American stories. Uh, They're asking questions of the Franco-American community. They're not kind of imposing their own framework on Francos in order to center themselves. I think that they've done really, you know, a, a, a dramatically great job of you know, telling the Franco-American story as non-Franco-American peoples. Uh, it comes from a, uh, a, a, a position of curiosity. Uh, it comes from a position of asking questions about the community. Uh, and I really feel that they did it the right way. So I would like to highlight a couple of positive examples, you know. So yes, there's a place for, you know, non-Franco-American people to tell these stories and to contribute. I would never say you know, no, you can't tell this story because you're not a Franco-American. Again, that's just not my point. It's a matter of the balance, the overall balance. And it is a matter of leadership and it's a matter of representation. And, you know, I, I think that it's it's been proven. You know, there's, I can't quote the studies off the top of my head, but, you know, I, I, I could if I dug, I could find your studies that say representation of the actual group represented is extremely important. 
And for example, I wrote an article for the Canadian Encyclopedia, which is kind of an official organ of the Canadian government about Canadian history. Very I, was contacted awesome. the, I was contacted by the editors of that encyclopedia, and they explicitly said, we want people from these groups to represent this group. And they actually had an article that was up there already by two quite good scholars, you know, Quebecois scholars of Franco-Americans who were good scholars. They had, you know, a decent article up there. Uh, I didn't have any big problem necessarily with the article, but the editors thought it's a really important thing to have Franco-American representation in telling this story for a Canadian audience. And I really do appreciate that. And in fact, my perspective was different than those Québécois historians, right? So again, I think, you know, Canadian Encyclopedia, they're doing it well. They recognize that, you know, representation is really important, even if it's an American contributing to the Canadian Encyclopedia. Uh, so again, I, I want to highlight positive contributions I feel have been made. Sure, we'll, you know, continue to have the discussion. But, you know, again, I want to uh, emphasize also that, you know, my comments are not personal. They're not aimed at any individual. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not blaming any individual for having any job or anything like that. I'm raising, you know, the general issue of representation of Franco-Americans and, and asking why is it we are apathetic if that's what we are? You know, sure. why is it that way? So anyway, I, I think it's a really important issue. I really uh, appreciate you, Jesse, and, and Mike having me on to, to discuss it. No, this is great. And I'm glad you were able to to mention those examples. Ben, I mean, we've had Ben Levine on the show. James Miles went on a couple different times. We are on record as calling him the French Canadian legacy's favorite Englishman. So he's been really good to us. Really good guy. So I do think it's cool. What events now? Do you have anything that you can plug? Any events that you have coming up? Uh yes, I do. Uh Perfect. if you wanna if you wanna go on my blog. Uh, I have an article there that I update periodically. It's called Upcoming Events, I believe. If you go on my blog and you, you search Upcoming, you will find a page that has my events. And uh, I have given a presentation recently about the Ku Klux Klan in New England and its opposition to Franco-Americans. Uh, that uh, presentation has become very, very popular. Uh, the New Hampshire public libraries uh, have really latched onto that, uh, and I've had a lot of repeat business. So if you look awesome. at my blog on the upcoming events page, you'll see when I'll be, be speaking on that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've organized my presentations, and, uh, you know, I keep giving, uh, and again, keep uh, giving these presentations and keep telling these Franco-American stories. So, you know, I'm, I'm out there representing uh you know all the time. Uh, <laughs> and so you know and i will continue to do so and i will count on you guys also to continue to do so well i appreciate it very much we'll make sure to link um the upcoming events page when we post this for sure again we've, uh, we've been talking to david Rumet, author of the amazing book distinct alien race untold story of franco-americans industrialization immigration religious strife Hugely important voice in the Franco-American community talking about some really, really important issues. So, David, thank you so much for joining us again. You're welcome. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive 
Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at FCL Podcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.